Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode 14, and if you're startled and wondering if this is a duplicate of what happened on Monday, no, it is not. This is episode 14 coming at you in the middle of the week. We got something special lined up for you today. And once again, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for for people that are searching for a new podcast to listen to, to, listen to, to come across this one. And then, and then remember to always get the word out about the podcast podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this is your first episode or if you've been listening since episode one, be sure to let people know about the podcast. Yes, we have something special for today. You're not going to hear my opinions, my ideas, uh, my approach, uh, my ideas, or you want to say my takes on sports right now. This is all about my dad. May have been about a week ago. I asked my dad if he would be willing to come on the podcast and be a guest. And I got, I caught him. I, I called him. I asked him. He said, "Sure." Now he got, he seemed kind of startled because it wasn't an everyday occurrence that someone asked that I asked him to come on the podcast. So when he got that, when when he understood and got grasped grasped what was, what was going on and what I was saying, he said, "Sure, I'll do it." And so I I, I texted him a couple of days before we recorded. We did record this on um, Sunday. August the 4th, the weekend, a couple days after the weekend of the mass shooting in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio, just to let you know that when the recording of this took place, um, he'll, he'll talk about that first um, and then start talking and then we'll jump, go right from the mass shooting um, and then right into sports. Um, without further ado, I'm not going to talk at all very much today. Um, let's take a trip to Indianapolis, Indiana um, to, to have a conversation with my dad, a former coach former teacher, former athlete, a current pastor of the Word of Faith Christian Church. Let's have a talk with my dad, Julia Stevens. What up, Dad? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jay. Glad to be here. All right. First off, let's get right into it. Uh, what did you think about when you found when you found out about the podcast? I was excited for you because I know how much you love sports. I know how much you love watching sports and you're very knowledgeable about sports. So I was excited uh, to see what you had to say, your opinions about what's going on in the world of sports. Oh, thanks. I like that. I like hearing nice things about what's going on. Uh, first off, not to get to sports first, but this is being recorded like um, on Sunday. Um, there was a couple mass shootings uh, just, I think it was Friday and Saturday as well. Um, we live in Indianapolis. Um, we don't live too far from mass shootings, acts of violence, you being a pastor, being involved with Stop the Violence Ministries here in the city. Um, I used to get my hair cut in an area where people will say it was a bad area where you don't want to go. There are numerous areas in Indianapolis in, 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 and in Indiana that are known for the crime, the hate, um, the shootings, things like that, where drugs are uh, going all around. Someone that is in the community that people look to for help in time of need. How do you view shootings, um, acts of violence like this? And how do you think we as a country, as a community, could come together to potentially stop shootings like this uh, taking taking place? Well, I, I think it goes back to how you value life, how you value your life, how you value someone else's life. Obviously that uh, these young men who are involved in these mass shootings 
don't have a much value, obviously, on the people's lives that they're killing, but I don't think they value their own lives. I think that their own lives are, are suffering and they're in a lot of pain. And one thing about people that are hurting, they go out to hurt people. Now you ask, what can we do? Um, I think that, first of all, we can come up with a system where we can acknowledge uh, the old see something, say something is, is still a good way for us to be aware of people like that uh, social media. When you see people, uh, not that we're going to always make these people guilty, but at least be aware of people who get out on social media, put out a lot of hate speech. Um, that's a sign. It's not necessarily that they would go out and shoot somebody. But again, we just have to be aware. I think as children and young and small, we must put uh, some self-worth and self and value into them uh, so that as they grow up, they'll learn to value not their just their lives, but the value of others. Do you think it starts from the home life where it's uh the mother and father or, or the, or maybe the cause and maybe the things weren't started properly when they were children, could have been a broken home or things like that. Or do you think it's more product of their community where they're just running around with the wrong people and that's all they know because their friends, as early as they were, their friends started going one way and instead of saying no, they went with their friends and started going down the wrong path. Uh, sure. I, well, I think everything starts at the home. Your parents are your, are your, uh, your first teachers. Your parents are your examples, they model. And again, I'm not saying that all these uh, young men or the, who are out there doing this violence came from bad homes. That's not necessar necessarily the case. It's just decisions that they made as they got older um, that took them down that path. But I think a majority of it does start in the home. Uh, the old African adage that says that it takes a village to raise a child. It takes all of us. It's take, obviously, the primary caregivers are in the home. Then we go out into the community um, where we take a responsibility, whether at schools or church or wherever these young people go. And um, when we see them going down the wrong path, and even those kids who've made the decisions to go the wrong path, uh, they need mentors, they need big brothers, uh, they need people who can step in when they have absentee fathers. All of those things, it's gonna, this is a battle that's going to have to be fought on a whole lot of fronts if we're going to win. All right. Um, you go back to your high school days, those, those were many moons ago, as one of, <laughs> one of my teachers used to say. Um, you were the starting point guard for, for Elmhurst. Um, was it two years, junior and senior year? Uh -huh. Okay. And I know that, that you had some stories from that. Um, not trying to embarrass you now. <laughs> not sure if I've heard this story or not. Um, but if you were to go back in your high school days, um, what was, who was the person or the team that gave you, um, say the, the business, the, the best where you, you were, you were playing back and forth and all of a sudden you knew as soon as the tip off, as soon as they got the ball in hand that first time, you could do anything with them. Um, that was that would probably be uh, Eugene Parker. You, I'm, I graduated from Fort Wayne Elmhurst in 1974. Uh, Eugene Parker was the leading scorer in the city. Eugene Parker went on to play for Purdue University, um, and in, I think he was drafted by San Antonio, but he chose to go get his law degree, and he was one of the most successful um, uh, football representatives uh, mm -hmm. in in the country. He had some elite athletes like uh, 
uh, Rod Woodson, Deion Sanders, Emmett Smith. They were all his clients. Unfortunately, uh, Eugene uh, passed away about three years ago. But in high school, he was the, you know, you knew he was going to get 35 <laughs> points when the game started. It just depends on who he wanted to embarrass along the way. And uh, unfortunately, I was uh, one of the ones that he embarrassed along the way. <laughs> um, piggybacking off of that, Sam, one of the best ones that um, was there in the city at that time back in Fort Wayne. Um, you and I have gone to quite a few high school games together. Um, seeing guys like Chris Wilkes went on to UCLA, Kyle Godwin, Mr. Basketball went on to Virginia. Um, we've seen lots and lots of athletes throughout my my high school career, and even mm -hmm. after that. Um, and then even going back when I was in school, you got Greg Oden, you got Mike Conley, Eric Gordon. Um, even when I was gone, Gary Harris came in and, and ran mm -hmm. the city. Um, how do you think today's players, um, high school, college, NBA, compared to what it was when you were growing up and saying, um, is, are they better? Are they worse? Are they the same? Is there a, div a divide? How do you view today's basketball players versus back in the day? They're better. There's no question that they're better because everybody is building off the next generation. Everybody is taking uh, their cues from the previous generation. They're perfecting the skills that they had, but then adding to. And that's the way it should be. That's the way things evolve. You expect them to be better. Uh, children, uh, kids today, they, they train better, uh, eat better, some of them, not all of them. But they eat better. They understand the game better. Much better shooters. I mean, we didn't have the three-point shot when I was true, uh, true. in high school. And, and now you see middle school kids who can uh, hit the three-point uh, shot. So I think they're better athletes as far as uh, their I basketball IQ. I, I think every generation. I don't think you any have anybody uh, from any generation that understands their game okay. any better than anyone else. But as far as running faster, jumping higher, uh, each generation does that better. Do you think the AAU format or the program has aided in the development of these players that we are watching now? I think, yes, that it has. Although I think um, it's put an undue burden on uh, a lot of kids in that uh, everybody can't afford the travel. They can't afford the hotel rooms. Uh, they can't afford to, to get the sponsors. And so what you end up doing is that you, you see a lot of elite teams and, and then the mediocre get left behind. But even like when you were uh, leaving high school, anybody, I shouldn't use the word anybody, but uh, and a lot of kids can play college basketball at NAI level, D3, D2. Um, they don't all have to be D D1 or mm -hmm. in the power conferences. Uh, and so a lot of times AAU is just uh, is for those D1 athletes and the D2, D3 athletes kind of get pushed behind. Yeah. But a college degree from a D3 school is just as valuable mm -hmm. as uh, you get from a Big Ten school. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm. I didn't get to talk to you about this before. Um, I don't, you may have seen it in the paper, but there was a guy named, J I think his name's Jaden Ivey. Jaden or Jalen Ivey's going to Mishawaka Marion, mm -hmm. what was going to. Um, took the same route as Keon Brooks did the previous year. Mm -hmm. Keon Brooks played at Fort Wayne uh, Northside, ended up transferring to La Lamere up in, up in the northwest Indiana area. Um, Jaden Ivey, same thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the situation was at his school. We got more 
inside scoop at, at Fort Wayne. We got family up there. Um, but Jay Nivey decided to go from Mishawaka Marion, potential Mr. Basketball candidate, just like Keon Brooks was, mm-hmm. to go to Lala Muir his senior year. And we were we had talked about going to the Hall of Fame Classic at Newcastle, Mishawaka right. Marion, which is it's a program, a, 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 two, a one-day event where you have to apply, your school has to apply to play there. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for, not just for a good team, looking for a star. They want a star to go there, Newcastle, the biggest high school gym in the country. And I was thinking about that, and we had talked about that numerous times. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking about Jaden Ivey, um, Chris, not Chris Wilkes, excuse me. He said at North Central, but uh, Keon Brooks, they both potential Mr. Basketball candidates in a year where you probably have five or six guys um, that could be Mr. Basketball. It's not like there's one guy that's going to be the front runner the whole time. And you go from a school where, you're, where you've been with your boys the whole time, you've been playing with the same guys, um, sometimes since you were a little kid, to go from your school to go – play to a prep school where you're forsaking not just your senior, your senior year with your boys, with your teammates, that you you could possibly go to a state title. Um, you're also forsaking the chance to win Mr. Basketball. And you and I discussed this where Mr. Basketball holds weight to a lot of fans, mm-hmm. doesn't hold the same weight with a lot of players. And I just in my mind thinking about what he could be losing. Now, granted, he's going to get everyday training focused around basketball folks focus around the sport that he loves um he's not going to be having to um there's 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 class but it's not the class aspect where it's like your homework and all this stuff they still Mm -hmm. they still do that but you're getting more basketball centered training and i think that's great but if you're going to be forsaking your senior year potential mr basketball potential indiana all-star where you can name I could go down a list of guys that have been not that didn't maybe maybe they weren't Indiana Mr. Basketball, but they were Indiana All Stars. They were ready to wear that jersey, um, go up against Kentucky and just beat them. I mean, it was more of a pride thing for the state. And I, I, I kind of agree with you the same thing. AAU balls kind of changed the aspect of the landscape of the mindset of players, but also I think this translated into our state, our city, where these guys are really, really good, but they're not. They want. They think, oh, I need to go go somewhere else to stay, and they're for a second like, well, I'm going to another place, a prep school, more basketball center training, but the ability to be Mister Basketball, the ability to be Indiana All Star, it's not the same that it used to be. Why do you think that? Why do you think that kids nowadays don't cherish the ability? And I've heard Kyle Guy say that he wanted to be Mister Basketball, wanted to be an All Star. He saw weight. He saw that that being a very prestigious award. Why do you think kids nowadays in our state don't value that like they used to? Because I've heard stories, guys, back in the day. They they wanted, they lived for that sure, moment. Sure. And again, I, this is the outside looking in, and this is just an opinion because I have no idea what it what goes into uh, making that decision. The parents, the players, and the advisors, and all the people that get, that go into making that decision for a high school senior to leave his high school uh, and then go and play at a prep school, uh, just from the outside looking in, uh, my question would be how much better is that particular player going to be at the end of his prep school um, season as opposed to being at the end of his high school season. Is he going to be that much better? Because, uh, granted, he's probably going to play against much better competition because 
everybody that he's playing against at the prep school level is probably D1, mm-hmm. a ball player, as opposed to a high school schedule where y- you might have a D1 ball player on every other team. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that. Um, but that kid will be probably playing all summer against D1. But as a former school teacher, public school teacher, uh, I think there's something valuable about uh, your senior year. The, I'm just not talking basketball. I'm talking the prom. I'm talking about all the other senior activities that you have uh, with students that you've gone through, maybe middle school with, high school together. And to give all of that up for one season of basketball where you think that I don't know what the goal is. I think a lot of these players going into their senior year, it's already solidified where they rank as far as college is concerned. So it's not like you're uh, in the top 100 and uh, going in your senior year and going by prep school, where are you going to go after that? Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I, I think that you give up the senior year, the, the graduations, like I said, the prom, all the senior activities. And then when you talk basketball, uh, to be on the Indiana All-Star team is an honor. And then to be Mr. Basketball of Indiana, uh, that's something you'll remember far beyond your basketball mm-hmm. years. And people will remember far beyond your basketball years. And uh, to me, looking back, I can't uh, – to me, when those those athletes get in their 50s, they will – I can't imagine them saying, man, I wish I'd played at my high school my senior year. Yeah. Yeah, you were um, – I know you coached track um, back in Fort Wayne. Did you coach any other sports? I'm, it slipped my memory right yeah, now. Yeah, I coached I coach one year of ninth grade basketball at Elmhurst okay. High School. Um, I, was a, I was also a football coach, a middle school football coach, and a middle school track coach. Okay. Um You've talked about numerous times some of the some of the track athletes probably because you guys won won different championships. But you talked about how they uh, remember you down the road. Say, Mister Stevens, look at this, look at that. <laughs> Families, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, take some time to talk about one of your. I'm not trying to say single one out that somebody may listen mm-hmm. to this, but um, talk about maybe a few of your favorite. Um, let's stick with track mm-hmm. track athletes um, that you had back in the day. Wow, you're talking um, in the 80s and 90s. So you here we are in 2019. So you you know that's quite a while ago. A lot of these uh, a lot of these students are in their 40s now, and uh, I remember Talia Barwick. I remember uh, she was an outstanding runner. Did well in high school. Kim Lubihusen. The, a lot of these girls ran for Northrop High School, okay. and they won state several times. And they had okay. run for run for me in in middle school. Uh, Tanya and Sonia Shepard, who are identical twins, mm-hmm. they were also on Northrop's uh, track team. That okay. uh, Coach Blanks coached them at Northrop High School, uh, so they were some outstanding runner. I'm trying to think of some boys. Uh, I coach boys track also, but the girls were the ones that really excelled in high school at Northrop where they won several state championships. So I, I remember those girls. Okay. Um, you also were privileged to have a couple boys that played sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first sport that I ended up playing was soccer. Remember you had us, yeah. you had us playing soccer. 
baseball, basketball. I didn't start playing football till seventh grade mm-hmm. because I missed. I, I remember that I missed soccer, soccer uh, try signups that year. So I was like, let's go ahead and play football at Belzer. Had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, had no idea how to put my pads into my pants. Um, but you being a sports dad, having one of your sons, my brother, playing football above the collegiate level. Um, what are some things you remember most about being a sports dad? Um, sitting in the stands, or sometimes you had the camcorder out recording games. What are some of your? What are some things you remember as being a sports dad? Well, I know what sports uh, do for young men, and in the maturation of young men, uh, understanding what it's like to be on a team, understanding what it's like for other people to depend on your talents to help to contribute toward the success of the team. I know that that's what you all were learning. Also making friends and uh, understanding how uh, a a coach will give you a plan and say, let's go out and do that plan and just enjoy enjoy it while you enjoy it. I know uh, you guys played a lot of soccer. And then once you decide to play football, I think you had a lot of success, especially at the middle school level um, and also uh, a lot at the high school level. And so it's nothing like a father to be up in the stands and and see his sons, excuse me, perform out on the field watching you play basketball. And even as you're an adult, I mean, sometimes you were with groups and you'd go down to Banker's Life Fieldhouse. You weren't playing with the Pacers, but you were playing after (laughs) the Pacers. (laughs) But you were playing, you played on the floor after the Pacers had played late at night around 11 o'clock. But, uh, you know, just to see you out there and to cheer you on, I've always enjoyed that. Um, If you were, now, not, if, we see LeBron um, being able to p- watch his boys play um, AAU ball, being very, very on the forefront. His personality, it's just not a knock on him. He likes to have the attention on him. Mm-hmm. There are some individuals that, that have that. And sometimes during warm-ups, uh, he does take the chance to have a little uh, dunk contest, you may want to say. If you had the ability, not trying to knock you, but if you had the ability and your boys played basketball and, we, and at the – um, on a different level, like an AAU travel ball where uh-huh. dads could come out and join the layup line, would you take the liberty to do that if you had that chance? Probably not. I mean, um, the last thing a guy like LeBron needs is more attention. I mean, um, he's everywhere. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's on commercials. He's on billboards. He's on magazines. Um, he's everywhere. And for me, it would be a time to let my children shine. Okay. And to shine, I would go back into the shadows okay. and just let them shine. There's really no need for me uh, to be out there. But that's just me. I- I'm not locking, knocking LeBron for doing it. Um, if that's what he wanted to do and uh, his kids don't have a problem with it, uh, they may be proud of their dad and say, look, my dad is LeBron James. Of course, I don't think anybody in the building wouldn't know that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's a layup line. I, You know, it's not that big a deal to me. Right, right. Yeah. Um, do you think more professional athletes, sticking with the sports dads, and I'm not knocking the ones that don't because I know they want to keep their lives private. They're mm-hmm. in the forefront all the time. But do you think more sports dads should take the approach that LeBron does, not the whole layup line or – um, going over the top when one of his teammates, uh, son's teammates, does, mm-hmm. makes a great play. But do you, do you think more more dads should take the approach to put things on social media of them being in their of, in their kids' lives? Because 
of how a lot of dads get a ba- have it have made a bad reputation of not being in their kids' lives. I, I think that would be good if that was the point. The point is that I'm in my child's life, uh, not to put someone down, but to inspire and encourage. We know, especially in the African American community, we have a lot of absentee dads and fathers who are not involved with their sons' lives and fathers uh, who just aren't there. Right. Um, if you go to um, your uncle, my brother, who used to be involved with a lot of kids' sports, one of the things that he would say, especially, again, in our community, is that when you go to the game, there's nothing there but moms. Yeah. The dads aren't at the baseball games. The dads aren't at the basketball games. That it's just a bunch of moms and the dad's not there. So if there's any way like an, a professional athlete can show uh, to the community that, hey, I'm a dad and I'm involved with my child's sport. Because just because you're not in the home with the child, which I would love to see all dads living with the, the kids' parents uh, married, uh, that's not the reality that we deal with. But that doesn't mean that you can't be involved with your son's uh in your son's life because that's that's going to be very important to his development in and in the long term yes it will yes it certainly will um let's go to the professional ranks now i'm not talking about being a dad or even things that were going in high school and how that relates relates to life or the, the wars that these kids could have um colts and patriots <laughs> i think that was probably no that was probably second the pacers and knicks but the longest tenured rivalry that I have had in my life was Colts and Patriots. Even, I think it was uh, 99, 2000, somewhere around that time when Tom Brady began to be the, the quarterback of the Patriots. Uh, remember, every Sunday afternoon that they were on, it was on our TV. It didn't matter if it was 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, mm-hmm. or a late game, that was on the TV. And nine times out of ten, at least early on in that, in that or those battles, we, mm-hmm. we went to sleep or we ended the game upset, maybe turned it off a little yeah. early. Um, what is, what do you think, um, what do you remember from those rival from that rivalry back in the day? Um, what I remember, <laughs> the Patriots kicking our butt. <laughs> 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 That's what I remember. I remember us being on the losing end more often than not. Um, even the year we won it in 2006 and Tom Brady had the ball for the final drive, and we intercepted the ball. It was like, oh, thank goodness. Because <laughs> it's like, man, if Brady has the ball with two minutes to go, I don't care if he's in the parking lot. Yeah. Hold your breath. Yeah. Hold he's, your he's, breath. He's, he's, still he's the same he's, way. He's going he's to drive that ball down the field from the parking lot. And so, uh, you know, it's good. Um, you know, the, the, the couple of years later when um, – uh, I know this takes away from the the, the um, rivalry that we're talking about, but a couple of years later when they, uh, uh, Jim Caldwell's the coach mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. have a chance to go undefeated. Mm-hmm. And remember, we went to that New York Jets game yep. where they took Peyton Manning out yep. and the starters out the second half and they just threw the game away. Mm-hmm. And we ended up going to uh, – the uh, we ended up going to the Super Bowl, but it seems like some some of the some of the wind was taken out of our sail when we just threw the game. And even though we got to the Super Bowl, New Orleans beat us on the, what they kick uh, at the beginning of the second half. They kicked an onside kick. Mm-hmm. You know they beat us, but it just seemed like something went out of that team because it was like they believed they could have gone undefeated yeah. that season, and the coaches took it away from them. 
Yeah. So yeah. I think that that Colts that run Peyton Manning had from um, ninety nine two thousand when they constructed that team of Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Edron James, who I think believe will soon be in the Hall of Fame. Um, will, will not be getting passed up anymore. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball. I, I didn't even talk about the offense, the offensive line, the mm-hmm. tight ends, but you go to the defensive side of the ball. You got Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney, um, Gary Brack at the time, Cato Jr. at the time, Bob Sanders, one of the yeah. best safeties at the time. If he didn't have his injuries, he was on track to have a Hall of Fame career. Um, what I'm thinking about this, the Colts at that time, not the going against the Patriots, but how great of a run they had. How do you what memories do you have just about that team? Not only going to the Patriots, but just yeah. about that team in general. Fun. It was fun to be an Indianapolis coach. Fun to be living in Indianapolis. Um, you know that you uh, you was a fan of one of the mo- one of the elite teams in F- in a, in the NFL, and uh, to to be just a part of it as a fan, to occasionally get to go to the games. You knew that in every game you had a chance to win that even though uh, even though the competition was good, you knew that your team was good. You knew your quarterback was good. You knew your offense was good. You knew your defense was good. And that's just – it's just fun being a fan. It's fun winning. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just sure fun is. winning. Yeah, I know on, uh, on Twitter a lot of times Reggie Wayne, and sometimes he connects that to his Instagram account, but Twitter a lot of times Reggie Wayne will – post pictures of his playing days and I have subconsciously in my mind that's it's probably due to the Colts not being anywhere close to what they were back in the back in the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um but I will hashtag hashtag glory days um, on almost all of his pictures when he's mm-hmm. talking about his his playing days or uh some one of his teammates and how the how they the the brotherhood, the camaraderie uh, the togetherness, almost like a family type atmosphere and feel mm-hmm. they had uh back then. Um, do you think that the Colts currently constructed or be constructed uh, a little bit further down the road? Do you think that the, as Colts fans, we'll be able to see what we saw um, during that Peyton Manning run? I certainly hope so. I think on paper that this team is being constructed to be just as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Luck, again, barring any injuries, uh, I think he has the potential to rise to the same level of a Peyton Manning, I think, uh, what's that linebacker's name? Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard. Um, I, I just think that through the draft and and uh, through trades and uh, picking up guys who were free agents, I just think that they are really uh, constructed a good team on paper. We just have to see it play out on the field. And I think that this could be a breakout okay. year. Okay. And I even think that, uh, you know, Brady's getting older. And uh, like the old saying, go father time is undefeated. He's knocking right now. Yeah. And so, you know, we've seen Serena get beat. Mm -hmm. Venus is getting beat. Mm -hmm. Tiger is is on the decline. And uh, you you think Tom Brady's day is coming. I don't wish any. I'm not saying this, that he has any injuries. I'm just saying skill Mm -hmm. and that ability to take over a game in in the end. Of course, they've lost Gronk. And uh, when you start losing pieces like that, they're hard to replace. Yeah, definitely. Staying with the pro professional level, um, Pacers fans, um, like I said, my entire life, I've been, I've, I was born in Indiana. So 
maybe subconsciously you being a big basketball basketball fan. We went to Pacers games. Moved mm-hmm. in, moved to Indianapolis in '94, and Pacers games, Market Square Arena, Bangers Life Field, well, Casico Fieldhouse, then Bangers Life Fieldhouse changed the name. Um, 2010, 2011, LeBron goes to Miami. We get Paul. We have Paul George at the time. We have Danny Granger. Um, George Hill came to the team for Kawhi Leonard. Still don't like it. That happened to, to, to our team. <laughs> yeah. um, but you have those players. You got Lance Stevenson off the bench who began to be a more vocal part of the team. Frank Vogel, a young coach, coming in, taking over for Jim O'Brien. Um, what, are you, what do you remember from that Pacers and Heat rivalry um, going back and forth? It's like we were always there, but we couldn't get over the hump. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I mean uh, some games we're just a minute away. <laughs> from defeating the Cavs and it just it, it's it's it, I, I don't want to use the term bad teams but I will say this the good teams find a way to win yes they do and I'm not I'm not going to say that the Pacers were a bad team and they found a way to lose but it just seems like uh it, it's kind of like remember the year that uh, Reggie Miller had a breakaway and Tayshawn <laughs> yep. uh-huh got him from behind yeah. you know all Reggie had to do was dunk the ball mm-hmm but he leisurely went in, and he's just going to lay it up. And Tayshawn Prince came out of nowhere, and Detroit took us out of the uh, playoffs. And we were right there. Yeah. It was like if he made that, we're, we're good to go. And, and so, you know, it's, that's just kind of sums up what the Pacers have been. They've almost been there but never got there, except the one year with uh, Larry Bird where mm-hmm. they went to the finals and – uh, L.A. had a guy named Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> and you know how that turned out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all do. Oh, you were talking about Reggie Miller when he got that shot blocked. Oftentimes when I'm thinking about that play, there was a play, oh, maybe I think it was a couple years earlier. It was Pacers, Nets, in the playoffs. You may not remember this, um, but I've seen the clip over and over. Reggie Miller was at the top, a three-point line. I think he pump fakes, and he drives down the middle of the lane. There was two, there was two defenders at the rim. Both go up to defend him. And Reggie Miller's not your – he's a toothpick. I'm not going to try yeah. to say anything or not. Mm-hmm. He's a very, very skinny guy. Mm-hmm. Even now, in his, in his, I think he's 50 years old now. Mm-hmm. His frame is still the same. He yes. is known for mountain biking and bike riding. Mm-hmm. So he's not the biggest guy. Mm-hmm. But he went off, took off, jumped two feet, dunked the ball with two hands in traffic. So at that time – and I'm replaying this in my, my mind over and over and over. And I'm thinking, Reggie, what did? why did you want to go to a layup at this time but you had just dunked the ball previously. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're not a dunker, yeah. but as a fan, I'm thinking, just do what, you, do what you've done before. Yeah. Go up strong. You, they teach kids at a young age. Yeah. Go up strong because there was a guy yeah. bigger than you trying to trying to block your shot. Um, I just I just always remember that time. Funny you funny you bring that up when he got that shot blocked. Yeah. Um, Pistons fans still try to throw that back in our face that yeah. Reggie Miller got a shot blocked by Tayshaun Prince. Yeah. Um, the Pacers Heat robbery once again. I remember I was in Florida. Had just graduated from college. We were in, I think it was Orlando on vacation. Mm-hmm. And um, we were watching one of the games in the hotel. Lance Stevenson was on the end of the bench. Wasn't a focal point of the team at all. And he had come into the game, I think it was I think it was late in the game, just trying to get some get some good players out mm-hmm. to, to rest and things like that. He came in. Joel Anthony, I believe, was the player on the Heat. Player on the Heat. Lance was being, I think it was he was starting to be a pest at that time. He ended up getting clothesline, getting hit, um, just because his personality was just trying to get under someone's skin. Transferred to a few years later where Lance Stevenson was 
a spark plug. Mm-hmm. Um, a radio host, Michael Grady, started using the term the Lance effect. Mm-hmm. We even saw when Lance didn't resign the contract. Larry Bird said, I don't want to pay you that money. Mm-hmm. He went to Charlotte. His career, we thought, fell off. Came back to the team. And then first game back, I was at the game. You would think that Lance was an all-star. That Lance mm-hmm. was the the guy that everybody looked to, to to score late in the game. Lance was not that guy. Very inconsistent. Right. He had a super highs, and his lows were almost high, lower than his highs were. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you remember from the Lance effect with Lance Stevenson being a spark a spark plug for the team? I think that the Lance effect wasn't necessarily his play mm-hmm. as much as his attitude that he brought. He, he brought that bulldog fight attitude that – you you want somebody on that team that could be that guy. Yeah. And I don't think the Pacers had anybody that that well. And I think Paul George, when they started winning, and they see, he said, what's happened? He just said, Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson, he brought that energy. He brought that uh, I'm going to be a pest. I'm going to irritate you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tick you off. And you would be, you'd rather have him on your team than ticking off your other team because, again, he took a lot of teams out of the game mentally. Yeah. You know, I think the famous blow in the ear was was one that he's trying to get into your head mentally, even though his, his, like you said, his basketball playing has always been inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, a lot of people relate Lance to a Dennis Robin saying, I don't want Dennis Robin on my team. I don't want Lance on my team. The one different thing with those two players – Dennis Rodman was a fierce, a for, no, excuse me, not fierce, a force mm-hmm. on defense, and he was a force in rebounding. I saw a stat recently where Dennis Rodman, I believe he he led the league in rebounding from I think 90, 1990, all the way I think it was through ninety eight, his last year in Chicago. Lance has never had that, never been an All Star. He came in one year at Cincinnati, and he had a reputation. That hasn't changed. He mm-hmm. he's inconsistent. He, I think it's more that New York mentality where he's from. Mm-hmm. He was good on the playground. He's a playground guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he he he's one on one. He's that type of player on mm-hmm. in the NBA level. But Dennis Rodman is all the, the dresses, the hair, all that. Whatever you think about Dennis Rodman now, mm-hmm. and you think about Dennis Rodman, we think of more recent than Detroit days. You think mm-hmm. of Chicago and post Chicago where yeah. he's trying to pull down Karl Malone shorts and mm-hmm. things like that. It's just it's under people's skin. Dennis Rodman, if Lance had that type of effect, I think even with his mindset being to be a pest, I think we would view him as a whole different level of a basketball player um, if he was able to be more consistent with sure. uh, what he what he did on the court. Yeah. Um, one more thing, w- one last question before we get to our, our quick questions to end the show. Um, sticking with the Pacers, um, Reggie Miller, um, 90s, Paul George, now, which time, what was your favorite time to watch? The Reggie Miller days, well, Paul George is gone, excuse me, but, or the Paul George days. R- Reggie Miller, not just because Reggie Miller, but the competition. Yeah. I mean, we get to see Patrick Ewing tonight, tomorrow night, uh, we, we, we get to see Michael Jordan, um, Carl Malone, I mean, just think of it wasn't just um, the Pacers who were good; it was the competition. It, it's not like it's not like there were no super teams. Yeah, 
like you have today. I right. mean, watching KD and Klay Thompson and and Curry play everybody in the league, it's no fun. No. It's no as a fan, it's no fun to see them beat somebody by 30 points by the end of the second quarter. That, that that's no fun, but you had parity. You I mean, he, as good as Michael Jordan and the Bulls were the Pacers, you, the Pacers are going to give them a battle. Yeah. And and Reggie and Michael are going to go at it. And, and you go uh, Philadelphia at, um, I'm trying to think, Charles Barkley was in the league. Uh, who are some other guys that were in the league during that time? Um, oh, you, you didn't mention David Robinson. Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was there. Yeah, and uh, you, you got all of these, you got all of these teams that had good ball players and so it's a lot different today. I don't enjoy uh, the super team. Even this year, we're going to L.A. and you got Anthony Davis and uh, Boogie LeBron, Cousins yep. and, and all of that. You know, from a fan, I'm pretty sure if you're an L.A. fan, you're excited. You've been in a drought a long time. Because um, I, I didn't enjoy watching uh, Golden State from the standpoint of there was nobody to – they had nobody to compete against them if everybody would have been healthy. Yeah. 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 I don't know if the NBA will go back to what the way it used to be where it was more spread out. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more – it's a lot more spread out now than what it was even a year ago. Mm-hmm. But you still got those teams – me and Jeremy were talking about this earlier today. Teams yeah. in the East where they don't really have the power that they did back then. Because uh, mm-hmm. you could think – I you could have <laughs> – Allen Houston, Latrell Sprewell, they were right. not your so quote unquote household names. If you right. were say in Seattle, you don't care about Allen Houston, mm-hmm. Allen Houston or Latrell Sprewell or Patrick Ewing, but you get nervous when they come to your court. Right. I'm not sure if you ever get those guys that, that um, those times like they were back then. Yeah. Got a few quick questions here to end the show. Um, some are sports related, uh, some are not. Um, what's your favorite vacation spot? My favorite vacation. Let me remind you. Make make these kind of quick. Don't don't okay. don't elaborate. Just Cancun. Just quick. Cancun. All right. Um, should have prefaced should have uh, prepped you with that before. That's my fault. Um, favorite movie. Um, I like Love and Basketball. Okay. Um, favorite NBA player. Michael Jordan. Okay. Uh, favorite pregame meal. Pregame meal. Yeah, back in high school. We didn't uh, hot dog. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. We didn't have pregame. That that's the difference between now. We didn't have pregame meals. You know, we just, I don't even remember a pregame meal. <laughs> um, something you've always wanted to do but you've never done. Something I've always wanted to do but I have, I have never. I like to travel to Europe. Um, yeah, I like to do that. Okay. Um, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? My heart says Peyton Manning, but my head says Tom Brady. <laughs> um, a different comparison right now. Kobe or LeBron? Kobe. Favorite Colt? Of all time? Mm-hmm. Manning. Uh, piggyback off that. Uh, favorite Pacer? Reggie. Best sports memory? From your from your playing days, not coaching days. From from your playing days. From when I played, mm-hmm. oh, um, just uh, being on. We we went to Huntington, Indiana, and this was in the seventies, 
And unfortunately, there was a lot of racial tension. Um, the referees weren't calling the game right. And, and we won the game. And that was like winning a state championship when people are saying all sorts of uh, racial things at you. They're uh, throwing pennies at you. Uh, referees aren't that fair. And, and and we won. That was a that was a good night. Even though uh, we got on the bus and and coach says, "Don't even dress. Just don't take a shower. Just get your clothes on. Let's go. Let's get out of here. It's this kind of rough in here." <laughs> so. And then last one. Um, best memory as a sports dad. Um, you hit well for you. I'm just gonna talk about you and not your brother. Uh, I don't forget who you were playing, but uh, it was, I don't know if it's a punt return. I think it was a punt return. And this guy was coming down the sidelines and you blocked him and you lit him up. Was that a home game? Yeah. I think it was, it was, it, was Perry Meridian. It was Perry Meridian. I think so. I think so. Oh man, you lit that kid up. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm not for any injuries. I thank God he didn't get hurt, but boy, you <laughs> knocked him and the coaches were going crazy. We all were going crazy. <laughs> I don't even know if you guys scored a touchdown on that or what happened as far as the runner with the ball, but that was a block that I still remember, and that was probably an 06, 07, somewhere around there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dad, thank you for joining sure. the podcast. We're going to have to do this again sometime down the road. Um, next time, we'll trust us. It'll be a different set of questions. It won't be the same type thing over again. But um, with you being a pastor, I want to close this out. Let people know where they can visit your church. Well, today is your 22nd church anniversary. Well, we're Word of Faith Christian Church here in Indianapolis on the far east side. We're at 6701 Oaklandon Road. Again, 6701 Oaklandon Road, Word of Faith Christian Church. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We'd love to have you come visit. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate that. Um, we'll do this again sometime soon. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, I've been I've been looking to um, that conversation with my dad ever since I ever since I asked him to be on the podcast. So just uh, hearing him talk about um, some of his some of the instances he had in high school and uh eugene parker that story was kind of fun um i have heard i've heard of eugene parker um at least what happened with him on the court and how good he was didn't know that he was a 35 35 point per game guy um but when you're when you're that dude you're going to be putting up that many points and remember that was a time when there were no three point there was a three point line so that put up 35 points on a three-point line. Nowadays, we think, oh, he's shooting three or four threes. Nah, them was all twos and ones, baby. Just two-point baskets and the good old free throws. That's all that was. And it was, it was a good conversation. I hope you enjoyed that. We will have more guests down the road. Uh, so, we see, so be on the lookout for that. We will still have our regular podcast dropping on Monday, still Monday morning like usual. Not going to get away from that train at all. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore J25. That is at Dr. Underscore J-A-Y, the number two and the number five. You can send all emails to jstevenspod at gmail.com. That was jstevenspod at gmail.com. If you're not on Twitter or if you're just 
or if you are on Twitter and 280 characters is not enough for you, feel free to send an email. If you have a, uh, you want to send a comment, you want to send some feedback, um, you have a question, a, a question, whatever, whatever it may be, um, send an email. Um, I will be utilizing uh, listener comments, listener voice messages, listener questions in the podcast next week. Like I said earlier, we will be having a listener question utilized um, as content on the podcast. Something that was sent oh earlier this summer that with um, the Little League World Series, I'll give you a little tidbit with the Little League World Series coming up that will be utilized in the next episode. Um, remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way, it's a great way for people that are searching for um, new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. And then remember to always to get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell, to tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode one, be sure to let people know about the podcast. Uh, this Thank you for listening to the J. Stevens Podcast, episode 14. Be on the lookout for Monday. Another podcast coming. I'll see you next time.